Okay, let's open up the Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, probably halfway through the talk, I'll remember. Yeah, the fellowship of like-minded people. Um, Yeah, that's very good. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We'll start in verse 19. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and you're not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So we know this. We know this uh, concept in the Bible. That, uh, and that's the title of the talk, is You Are Bought With a Price. Um, and here it summarises it really well, that we're the temple of the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost dwells in us, it says there, which is in us. Um, that's a fact. Um, but then it says, at the end of 20, it says, Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Okay? So... Um, we often think that this is this is my body, and I'll do what I want with it. That's a, um, a pervading thing uh, in the world at the moment. Uh, this is my body, and uh, and I'll do what I please. Um, and but here it says our body is God's, and it's a pretty logical uh, extension where it says the spirit that dwells in us. That's God's, obviously, because it is God. But we've got to remember that our body as well is God's. We didn't make it. Um, we were given it when we were born, uh, just like we were uh, given our name. Um, it's the same thing. I mean, yeah, sure, our parents gave us our name, but we were given it. Um, the body that we have uh, has been given to us to look after while we he- are here on earth. It- it's God's. Um, and the extension of that, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, um, it's his temple. Um, and uh, before these two verses, it goes through other things, that we need to look after this body, uh, which is God's, and not to defile it. Um, but then in this, which is the title of the talk, you are bought with a price. That, um, and it says quite plainly and quite abruptly at the end of 19, and ye are not your own. Um, and, and this is quite confronting. We all want to do what we want. <laughs> uh, we think that there's freedom when we do what we want, but uh, God's chosen us and set us on a path to, uh, of righteousness to eternal life um, for us to follow, and most of the time that path is not what actually we want. <laughs> um, but God knows what's best for us, and we should follow that path knowing that we've been bought with a price. It's not as though God's just sitting back saying, ah, yeah, I want them to follow that path, uh, not that one that they really want to follow, uh, and then make us follow it. No, no, he's actually bought us for a price. He's earned the authority to guide us along the path that he wants to guide us along. Now, we here also know that, uh, well, it's actually the best path for us anyway, but to have that mindset that we're being bought with a, for a price, 
uh, and a pretty great price. So we'll go through a few scriptures about that price. Galatians chapter 3. We are not our own. And uh, we can serve the Lord thinking, yep, that's what the Lord wants me to do. But is it? Is it really what you want to do? And you think you're doing it for the Lord? Galatians chapter 3 and verse 10. So it's Galatians chapter 3 and verse 10. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. And you could say as well as I read this, uh, under the works of the flesh, okay, because that was the strength of the law, was in the flesh, are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. And there's a lot of things in the book of the law. So if you don't do uh, one little thing, uh, you're cursed um, if you don't continue in it. Verse 11. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is evident for the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. And Jesus Christ uh, was hanging on that cross. And the blessing of Abraham, sorry, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles or all people through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So uh, being born. Uh, we are living a life according to the flesh and it's cursed. It's under a curse. Now what the price, an aspect of the price that uh, we have been bought for is God himself came to earth as a man and then he was cursed for us. Um, so, and he shed his blood his life was taken that we may live. He was cursed that our curse may be taken away. Um, and it says there at the end of 14 that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So uh, this kind of refers to the faith of Abraham, amazing faith in God. Um, and this was before uh, the law. Um, and he had a phenomenal faith. And we, through faith, you know, through faith, even at the start, we heard that the Spirit was available and people were encouraging us to pray for this Spirit. And so through faith, uh, what we saw in the Bible, okay, uh, God can give us the Spirit. And we, were, we received the promise of the Spirit through faith. And then, um, and then back further, it says in verse 12, and the law is not of faith. You know, uh, there's people... Uh, were right before God in Old Testament times who lived under the law if it was mixed up with faith, okay? The law on its own, if there's no faith, it's dead, uh, just like works are dead. And so but the same aspect today is like uh, what we do is dead without faith. Faith is so important, faith in God, faith um, that uh, Jesus Christ has bought us for a price, that Jesus Christ uh, died that we may live, that Jesus Christ was cursed that we may be free. 
Um, John chapter 1. These are the words of John the Baptist. John the chapter 1. There was a great price that was paid in order for us to be where we are. John chapter 1 and verse 29. It says, The next day John saith Jesus coming unto him, and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Okay? There you go. It's there. Jesus Christ came to take away the sin of the whole world. That's the price he paid to, uh, to take it all away. Uh, his sacrifice was enough. Just over to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. And verse 1. So he took away the curse of the whole world. Uh, just a, a phenomenal price that we've been bought for. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1. My little children, these things write I unto you, that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Okay, in the flesh we sin. You know, we fall short. We miss the mark. But we have an advocate. Someone there chirping away in uh, God's uh, spiritual ear, uh, reminding him that we're righteous. Verse 2. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. There's no way you can be too sinful uh, for, for the Lord, but uh, also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk, even as he or Jesus Christ walked. So this here I've read on, uh, there's aspects in there of um, if we know him, we keep his commandments. If we claim to know him and we don't keep his commandments, then we don't know him. Um, it says also that uh, there in verse 5, But whoso keepeth his word or his commandments, same thing, in him verily is the love of God perfected. So that's another aspect of the kingdom of God is love. Like John chapter 3, uh, verse 16, which is uh, so well known in Christendom broadly, he loved the whole world so much so that he gave his only begotten son. Love is a big part of it. And if you want to show that you love God, it says here, that, and to know him, you keep his commandments. But also from that, you know, it's his commandment that we love one another. Okay? And so by following his commandments, you're also loving one another, finding a way to look at the spirit within. Uh, and when you love one another, you yearn for fellowship. You know, like we heard in Testimony. Always when there's op things where fellowship's not available, uh, Cecilia was praying to be a part of fellowship. There's this yearning because of the love, the love that comes from God. 
And, uh, and that's the extension of keeping his commandments. And, uh, and that's all reciprocated back and forth, and it's just part of the family of God. Um, and, uh, and, yeah, just coming together in fellowship is an open display of love for your brothers and sisters. It's an open display. I love my brothers and sisters that I want to come here, mix with them, encourage them, and wash their feet to carry on and continue to follow, uh, follow the ways of the Lord. Um, and then verse 6, He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk, even as Jesus Christ walked. So he came as an example, as an example uh, for us to follow. That was his price as well. He came as a man, as an example. That's a, that's a, a cost to pay. To be a, an example his whole life uh, for us to, uh, to be encouraged that way. John chapter 17. John chapter 17 and verse 1. John chapter 17 and verse 1. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come, glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is... Life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. So there's a lot of things here about glory, and in my introduction I spoke about glory, giving God the glory. And Jesus here, it's before he's been sacrificed, and he's looking forward to the Father glorifying him. You know, that lamb that was slain, that was worthy, that had that glory because of what he did for his father. And uh, then through the son being glorified, he can reciprocate and give him the glory. So that's happened to us, that Jesus Christ, the father, has glorified us by filling us with the Holy Spirit. And in response, we glorify him. Same as what uh, Jesus Christ is talking about here. And then here is this confidence that Jesus said that it will be made possible for people in future filled with the Holy Spirit to give God the glory because Jesus Christ, it says there, I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. I've finished it. I've done all that I can. And uh, we'll read a a verse later that I read on... um, on Wednesday, but we'll go over to John chapter 19, just uh, over to when he he actually has finished it. John chapter 19. He paid the full price. The um, the only way Jesus could be glorified, the only way he could give God the glory. The only way that we could be glorified and for us to give God the glory was that Jesus Christ paid everything. He didn't come up short. Um, John 19 verse 28. Jesus is hanging on that tree right now. 
still alive for a moment. Verse 28. After this, Jesus knowing that all things were now accomplished, okay, that he'd finished the work, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. So many things Jesus did and said was just to fulfill scripture. And this is one. Jesus could have stayed on the cross and, and not said, I thirst. But it was in, in prophesied in Psalms that, he, that this would happen. So to fulfill scripture, he paid the price the whole way along. And even this little thing, I'll read it. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Even this tiny little thing, this tiny little statement in Psalm 22, that he'll be fed vinegar and the gall of vinegar, to fulfil that scripture, to fulfil and complete the fee that was payable, he cried out, I thirst. He could have just died then, but he had to fulfil the scripture completely so that he could confidently say, I've achieved all things or I've I've accomplished all things and now it is finished. Okay? That was the the gravity of his sacrifice, that he could take away, it was enough to take away the sins of the whole world, even our own. (laughs) That's back to front. Our own sins, even those of the whole world. Over to Isaiah chapter 5. Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 1. Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 1. And it says here, Now will I sing to my well-beloved, his chosen people, his dearly beloved, a song of my beloved touching his vineyard or the work that he's doing on earth. My well-beloved hath a vineyard in a very fruitful hill. And he fenced it and gathered out the stones thereof and planted it with the choicest vine and built a tower in the midst of it and also made a wine press therein. And he looked that it should bring forth grapes, but it brought forth wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge, I pray you, betwixt me and my vineyard. What could have been done more to my vineyard that I have not done in it? Wherefore, when I looked that it should bring forth grapes, brought it forth wild grapes. So the point here is, I mean, this is still an Old Testament, but hey, we sit today in New Testament time. We've just read about the cost, uh, the price that was paid uh, by Jesus Christ and by extension by God for us. And here he's saying, Right, what more could I do? Of course it's rhetorical. Um, Jesus even cried, I thirst, so that he would suck on some vinegar in his last moments. What more could have he done? I mean, if he didn't do that, we might be able to say, well, he didn't drink vinegar, did he, when he was hanging on the cross? But he did. There's nothing more that God could have done. He has bought us for a price satisfactorily. We are no longer our own. And uh, here in this story, it's like he's given us a vineyard. 
to work on for us, and we are vines as well in that, for us to bear fruit, to bear grapes, not wild grapes, okay? To walk in his ways, to love one another, to, uh, to love him, give him the glory, glorify him. All these things uh, so that we bear grapes and not wild ones that, uh, that are really of no, no use, uh, no use at all, just cast aside. What more could have he done? And it turns out there's absolutely nothing more he could have done. In Micah chapter 6 and verse 3 it says, O my people, what have I done unto thee, and wherein have I wearied thee? Okay? So uh, have I, like what God's saying is like, well, what, what have I done? Like um, what, um, I'm, a, I'm this gracious God who's gone to such a great extent to call you for you to be a part of the kingdom of God and... How is it that I've managed to weary you? Um, how is it that I've somehow come short of what I should have done for you? And then from this, like, why, knowing that he's done everything he could, why is it that we sometimes demand more of God? You know? Because we're people. It's the way we are, isn't it? First uh, Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Just one verse in there. Verse 23. If the saints in uh, Georgia are listening, <laughs> first book of Corinthians chapter 7. Apparently it's, a, it's an Australianism to say 1 Corinthians. <laughs> but it should be first book of Corinthians, so I was told. <clears throat> anyway, that's a side. We're talking about price that we've been bought for. First Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 23. Ye are bought with a price, be not ye servants of men. Okay, so here is a bit of clarity, right? So we've gone through this whole being bought with a price and what that price was and how it didn't come up short at all. And as a consequence of that, do not be servants of men. This here echoes quite loudly uh, Matthew chapter 6. As you know, I love that, the last part of that chapter where we have a choice to serve God or mammon. And uh, we've been bought with a price, so don't serve men. Don't serve mammon. To, uh, to serve God. And in that, quite profoundly says, if you serve both, you'll hate the one and love the other. Now, we want to serve God so that we have a hatred. I know it's a strong word. Uh, it's a word as well with time has becoming a, become a word that's not uh, people don't like using, but it's in the Bible. If we love God, we'll hate the world. We'll hate mammon. Uh, we, we won't glean um, enjoyment from the things that, that we have to do in the world, you know? We glean the, the enjoyment and the love from serving God. Yes, God understands that we have to um, serve mammon in a way, like we need houses, we need fuel in the car, we need bread on the table. Uh, they, that's all mammon. 
But what it gloriously says in Matthew chapter 6 is, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. So serve single-mindedly uh, the things of the Lord, knowing we've been bought with a price and not servants of men or servants of mammon, and the Lord will deal with all the rest. That's the other powerful thing of testimony, uh, what happens when the, the Lord answers prayer. And, uh, and yeah, that's, that's right. Thank you. I've got it now from Cecilia's testimony. Sometimes you uh, get to a point where there's nothing more you can do. You have to trust the Lord. Um, and uh, like you're referring to the house in Northcliffe, you did all you could, but it got to a point, ah, can't do anything more, got to trust the Lord and, uh, and wait and see how he answers that prayer. Uh, and that's that mindset of serving God and not mammon. Um, and we go to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. So this here is the parable of the house on the sand. Bearing in mind that what I just read, you are bought with a price, be not ye servants of men. And we go to Matthew chapter 7 and verse 13. Oh, that's right. Yeah, there's a bit more to read before we get to that parable. Matthew chapter 7, and we'll start in verse 13. Kind of all builds up to the point that Jesus is making. Enter ye in at the straight gate, that straight gate that cannot be moved or adjusted, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat, following the the walking the path that uh, God wants us, knowing that if we went the broad way, uh, there's destruction, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and we all want life. And few there be that find it. Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravelling wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. You know, we talked about wild grapes and domestic grapes, for want of another word, uh, nice luscious grapes. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. And whenever I read that, and I'm sure all others do, we think of Nina's testimony. Very powerful testimony there. Um, so you'll know people by their fruit. Um, every tree that brings is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. Not everyone that saith unto me, and here's an important bit that leads on well to the, uh, the parable of the house on the sand. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven, follows his, the commandments. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. So these are people, in verse 22, that are spirit-filled. You know, glor- uh, what they think is they're glorifying God, calling him Lord, Lord even, and seeing amazing miracles um, following their prayers. 
But then it says, verse 23, And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work in iniquity. And it's like, it's, it's like they, they're not fully following the commandments of the Lord. Okay? It's like following just principles that they want to follow and not the whole lot. And we can think of um, modern Pentecostal groups that uh, have the salvation message all muddled up. And, and I still remember um, this person coming to a meeting here and we were speaking about praise and how there's, the Lord wants us to praise him through the Spirit. And I remember after the meeting, he goes, no. No, I know God likes the way I praise him. You know, it's just, so he's calling him Lord, Lord, but he's doing it how he wants and grabbing scriptures that he likes instead of a whole lot, the whole kit and caboodle. And that's encouragement for us is like the whole lot. And then that leads in. We call him Lord, Lord. We call him Lord, Lord confidently that we're following the whole Bible. We're not chopping it up and deleting bits. Um, or adding bits in to make it more palatable. We are following the whole lot, uh, the whole package, and we can confidently say, Lord, Lord. And then he'll say, enter the kingdom of God, enter the joy of the Lord. And that's what we look forward to. Uh, We follow the things of the spirit, not the things of the flesh. We follow God and not men. Our priorities with God and not with mammon. So that then we are confident that we've got the whole lot, the whole package, and not breaking it up. Which leads into verse 24. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I'll liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock, a solid rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell not. Those things, those troubles that come against us. For it was founded upon a rock, the whole rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not, or breaks it up. I'm only interested in that bit. I don't think that one applies. That kind of makes me feel uncomfortable. Breaking it up, little bits. And doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand, broken up rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Don't get me wrong, there's some things that the Lord wants us to do in this book that I find hard to do. I really do. I've struggled with them my whole walk in the Lord. But it doesn't mean I take it out. And ignore it, saying, look, pray to the Lord that he helps because I want my house built on the whole rock. I don't want to ignore bits and pieces and let it crumble and weaken it so that then when, and it says here quite confidently, when the rain descends, when the floods come, when the winds blow, that's life. You'll be buffeted. But if you have your house founded upon the rock, the whole rock, it will not be moved. 
But if, for whatever reason, you've decided to break it up, it'll shake up, it'll uh, move and crumble. But we want to be solid, mate, solid in the things of the Lord, knowing that this great price that has been paid for us to stand here on this rock, we will not be moved. And we try our best, try our best to follow the commandments of the Lord. He knows our weaknesses. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Um, sorry, no, I didn't mean that one. Um, oh, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. The Lord understands that. But our mindset is, spiritually speaking, Lord, you did so much for me. In all humility, help me to follow your ways. Things that you might be struggling with, principles that are clearly written in the Bible, blatantly obvious, you can't argue with it, and you're struggling with Pray about it. Seek the Lord. Um, And he'll help. Seek the things of the Spirit. Get your house built on that rock that we may bear forth fruit, grapes and not wild grapes. Penultimate scripture, 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. And also I just thought then is um, have a care and a love for your brethren. And that's a big part of your care and your love for your brethren in staying strong, staying solid, staying an example and a testimony um, and just carrying on praying to the Lord. That's actually encouragement. Um, You're doing it for others. But if you let... The, the foundation crumble and your house kind of waves a bit and cracks and then like, that's not encouraging for your brethren, is it? It's not encouraging. So out of a love for your brethren, you stay solid, walk in the things of the Lord, consistent as well. One John, oh, sorry, 1 John chapter 5 and verse 1. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 1. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. So if we claim to love God, um, we also love him that's begotten, being Jesus Christ. And we believe and know and am am assured of that uh, Jesus was born of God. Verse 2, by this we know that we love the children of God. You know, it spreads when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. You know, stays firm against the wind and the rain and the storms. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. So many things come back down to our faith. Our faith is such a strong thing and such an important thing. From that faith extends overcoming the world. But here's something interesting. Verse 3. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. Okay? That's what it says. His commandments are not grievous. So, there's a little um, thing to think about. To anyone here, or listening, or whatever, 
Are any of his commandments grievous to you? Um, It is a sign, I believe, that if any of his commandments are grievous, then there's a tendency to serve men and not God. Because if it says here that his commandments are not at all grievous, so if you're serving God, and don't get me wrong, we're still in the flesh, if we're completely in the spirit, we could easily follow and serve God 100%. But it's kind of tugged away a bit by the things of the flesh. And so if any of these commandments are grievous, it's a sign that we are serving men. And maybe there's a, a time, that a check. It's like, oh, yeah, that God's commandment commanded me to do that. But, oh, it's so annoying. It's so hard. You know, maybe there's a time to seek the Lord more, put more time aside, seeking him, praying, reading, being determined to fellowship so that then... This can come true in our lives, that his commandments are not grievous. That's a fact. His commandments are not grievous. So if there are any commandments that are grievous, it may be a sign that we're serving uh, men a bit more than serving God. Last scripture, Psalm 36. To end in a high note, Psalm chapter 36. This is what God wants to do for us. That's why he wants us to follow his commandments so that as a result of that, he can do these things for us. And I've been thinking about a, um, a story. I think it was Elijah, um, where he went to, to a lady who wasn't an Israelite in a time of famine and, uh, and she had this morsel of food and a little bit of coal or wood, and she was going to cook that, and it was her last meal, that she was going to eat it with her son, and they were going to die. And what did Elijah, would say it was Elijah, say? He said, give me first. Now, that's what happens in the kingdom of God. God's saying to us, give to me first. You know, Follow my commandments, do my will, do that first. And then we will read this in Psalm chapter 36, what he will do. It's his desire to do these things that I'm about to read, but we need to step forward first and give our life first and serve him first. Psalm chapter 36 and verse 5. Thy mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens, and thy faithfulness reacheth unto the clouds. Thy righteousness is like the great mountains. Thy judgments are a great deep. O Lord, thou preservest man and beast. How excellent is thy loving kindness, O God. Therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wings. They shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house. And thou shalt make them drink of the river of thy pleasures. 
For with thee is the fountain of life. In thy light shall we see light. O continue thy loving kindness unto them that know thee, and thy righteousness to the upright in heart. That's what God wants to do for us. We're a part of that. And he's true to his word. It says in Numbers uh, that um, he's not a man that he could lie. So if he's saying this, then what's stopping us from serving him? As if he bought us for a price. As if we are not our own. Uh, Even our body and our spirit are not our own. They're his. So knowing that there's just, just wonderful good things for us, then we can do that. We can uh, do these things for him first. And these things, I mean, some of them aren't actually practical things. They're loving kindness. You know, um, there's, uh, you know that, that comfort of the trust of the shadow of his wings. You know, we'll be abundantly satisfied. You know, these are internal things. Uh, the mercy, the faithfulness, you know, all those things he'll get, uh, oh no, I said that, loving kindness, that, that he'll grant us as we follow his path to eternal life. Okay, thank you.